0: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, one one way of knowing that we're not yet in a world war is that um, Mardi Gras happened last Tuesday. You may not have noticed if you weren't here in New Orleans, whence this program originates, but we sure did. We sure noticed it. And then there's this really remarkable thing that happens. When it ends, it ends. Literally, the cops drive down Bourbon Street at midnight and say, get out of here. It's over. And the next day, which happens to be Ash Wednesday anyway, um, it's as if it never happened. You can walk around the the city and first of all, the trash collection is amazing. On that one one morning of the year, at least. And the only real evidence, if you're, if you're in any doubt that it did happen is, uh, the streets, sorry, the trees on, um, the street that is the major route for Mardi Gras parades, the big, big parades you've heard of. And, um, I've put up on my website, harryshare.com, a photograph of one of those trees. It looks like they're, they're growing beads and other appurtenances because of stuff that was thrown and didn't reach its intended recipients. And the trees are the resultant recipients. Yeah, that's all happening on one side of the world. And we've been hearing for the last two weeks what's been happening on the other side. I can't add too much to that. I can uh, point you to a couple of background things that doesn't excuse or justify anything that's going on now, but may give you some background, some uh, sense of the background against which this plays. Uh, One is um, a page on a website called the National Security Archive, which is called What Gorbachev Heard, and which describes the numerous assurances from U.S. Secretary of State James Baker at the time and other Western leaders to Gorbachev, who was head of then the Soviet Union, soon to be Russia at the time, in 1989-1990, reassuring him over and over again that if Germany reunites... Which was at the time a frightening prospect given the recent, then recent history. NATO would not extend one inch to the east. Of course, that in fact did happen a few years later, thanks to then President Bill Clinton. The other thing is um, a phone call which is still up on YouTube, a conversation between the then U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for Central European Affairs, Victoria Nuland, and the then U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey Pyatt. This was in um, February of 2014, right after demonstrations in Maidan Square had um, encouraged the then-pro-Russian elected government of Ukraine to skedaddle. And the conversation between Nuland and Pyatt was, Who should be in the new Ukraine government? And you'll never guess what happened. The people they suggested be in the government ended up in the government. And the people they suggested not be in the government, son of a gun, weren't. I can share with you some uh, news on the subject that may not make the other media. The International Cat Federation has banned Russian cats from its international competitions. That's according to the Washington Post, the federation, which considers itself the United Nations of Cat Federations, said in a statement it was shocked and horrified that Russian forces had invaded Ukraine and started a war. It said the measures were decided this week and that officials could not, quote, witness these atrocities and do nothing, unquote said the rule would be in place until the end of May and would then be reviewed. Quote, no cat belonging to exhibitors living in Russia may be entered at any federation show outside Russia, regardless of which organization these exhibitors hold their membership in. That's a quote from the organization, which includes almost 40 countries. I'm pulling for them to hit 40. Also from the BBC, Nigeria's government has condemned reports that its citizens and those of other African countries have been stopped from leaving Ukraine. Border staff told one Nigerian man who spoke to the BBC they were, quote, not tending to Africans, unquote. We've been chased back. We've been hit with police armed with sticks, he told the BBC. A foreign office official from South Africa, also said students had been, quote, badly treated at the border. There have also been numerous reports of Ukrainian security officials preventing Africans from catching buses and trains going to the border. One uh, Nigerian told the BBC he tried to get on a train in Lviv to take him to the Polish border. He was told only Ukrainians would be allowed on board. It's mainly students from Nigeria in Ukraine. One group had repeatedly been refused entry to Poland, so they traveled back into Ukraine to head for Hungary instead. Hungary, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't be your first choice, would it? I don't know. A, um, a final item from that particular file introduces us to the new word of the week. It's a new feature. I don't know how long it'll last. Depends on how many words show up. But this is certainly the new word of this week. Squeeze back. I said squeeze back. CNN has removed squeeze back ads from its ongoing coverage of the Ukraine invasion. This happened after a jarring juxtaposition of carefree advertising messages on screen along alongside somber images of Ukraine, Ukraine under siege. That juxtaposition sparked an online outcry. Several Twitter users began noticing that instead of cutting away for the ads, CNN was running split-screen ads alongside the continuing coverage. That uh, happens when there's major news. They'll keep the live camera on and p- put the uh, ad only on two-thirds of the screen. Called squeeze back, the ads that uh, were squeezed back or squeezed back included an Applebee's spot celebrating a little bit of kitchen ch- chicken fried and cold beer on a Friday night, as uh, well as an ad for Sandals Resorts. Spots will no longer be running," said a Warner Media spokesperson, speaking to Adweek. Squeeze-back advertisements have been removed from the coverage, said the spokesperson. It's a way of keeping audiences from changing the channel to view other coverage during ad breaks, reveals TV Newser. So they won't be doing that. They're going to take their chances that you'll stick with them. Word of the week, ladies and gentlemen, squeeze-back. You're welcome. Hello, welcome to the show. Now, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Emerson III. Faced with threats of withdrawals and growing animosity in the athletes' village, organizers of the Winter Paralympics this week reversed course and expelled athletes from Russia and Belarus. This about face came less than 24 hours after the International Paralympic Committee announced it would allow them to compete only as neutral athletes, with colors, flags, and other national symbols removed because of the invasion. Quote, the war has now come to these games, and behind the scenes, many governments are having an influence on our cherished event, said the head of the International Paralympics Committee. After announcing the ban, we were trying to protect the games from war, he said. He said the IPC underestimated the negative reaction to letting Russians and Belarusians compete even as neutral athletes. The athletes village, which Parsons hoped would be a place of harmony, is now depicted by him as a tinderbox. And it was not only Ukrainians resenting the Russian Belarusian participation, but across the board, he says. We don't have reports of any specific incidents of aggression or anything like that, he said. But it was a very, very volatile environment in the athlete's village. It was a very rapid escalation, which we did not think was going to happen. We did not think that entire delegations or even teams within delegations would withdraw, will boycott, will not participate, unquote. The first instance came when Latvia said it's curling team would refuse to play against the Russians in a scheduled group game no curling no nothing the IP spokesperson described a stark change in just 12 hours from athletes administrators and politicians he said the talk was now we're thinking of going home we're not playing that threatens the viability of the event so that's a huge change he said the atmosphere in the village is not pleasant Unquote. The IPC expects legal action from the Russian and Belarusian Paralympic Committees, which is what he said he feared when he ruled their athletes could compete. The likely venue is the Switzerland based Court for Arbitration for Sport. The Russian Paralympic Committee called the decision to expel its athletes baseless and illegal. Russian athletes have not done anything which could be interpreted as being involved in the current political complications, the Russian committee said. The Kremlin spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, called the decision a disgrace. The situation is monstrous. Yesterday one decision was taken and today they took another, he said. Parsons of the Paralympic Committee said, no one is happy with the decision, but certainly this is the best decision for the Paralympic Games to go ahead. The IPC now joins sports like soccer, track, bas- basketball, hockey, and others that have banned Russians and Belarusians. The International Olympic Committee earlier po- pushed sports orgs to exclude them. But it left the final decision up to individual governing bodies. The IOC itself has been slow to crack down on Russia, after all the doping and stuff. But, you know, that's because the Olympics is a movement. And we all need one every day. New Orleans, this is Le show, and now ladies and gentlemen a n- little bit of news of the warm. Don't you think? Checking on the environment and all Soft,
1: listen to the warm. We can listen to the. Warm.
0: Now we hear the ice in Greenland is melting faster than previously thought. Who were those previous thinkers? Scientists with the University of Cambridge say new research shows the ice sheet covering Greenland is melting rapidly at its base. That's where all the uh, Trump voters are of the, of the uh, glacier. Some parts are losing five or six centimeters of ice a day. I'd be scared if I knew what a centimeter is. The Greenland ice sheet is the second largest in the world. It's already the biggest single contributor to global sea level rise. Scientists say the water and ice currently going into the ocean could have serious ramifications for sea level. Studies published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So that's one piece of news about our sad little environment. Here's another.
1: I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said.
0: Not quite enough said. Small particles from tires inhibit the growth and cause adverse behavioral changes. In organisms that live in freshwater and coastal estuary ecosystems, that's according to two new research papers from Oregon State University scientists. A university in Oregon? Imagine. The findings are part of a continued effort by scientists to unravel the impacts of microplastics and their littler friends, nanoplastics, on stuff that's going on in the water. Tire particles are one of the most common microplastic types in those aquatic ecosystems. Several graduate students and and postdoctoral scholars in their labs recently published these two papers. The focus on microplastics and now nanoplastics is still relatively new, says a professor at Oregon State who studies environmental health and safety impacts of nanomaterials and uh, led the research, we're now at the point of making policy decisions that we don't have the science for. That's why we're scrambling to supply that science. California adopted a statewide microplastics strategy last week. Similar efforts at the federal level, and among other states, may well happen. The Particles are composed of materials including synthetic rubber, and it happened after, I guess, a result of World War II, filling agents, I'm not looking at you. Oils and other additives, the particles themselves and chemicals they leach, known as leachate, here's another word, new word of the week, may have detrimental effects on aquatic organisms they come in contact with, according to the researchers. They show, they cite studies that show during the lifetime of an automobile tire, which is not actually alive, about 30% of its tread erodes and enters the environment. More than 1.5 million metric tons of tire wear particles flow into the environment each year, just here in the old United States. 1.5 million metric tons of little particles rubbing off of tires. Very few groups are measuring what impact they're having, said one of the researchers. That's what we were trying to do here. They uh, expose two model organisms in both freshwater and estuary ec- ecosystems to different concentrations of micro- and nano-tire particles. The model organisms were inland silverside and mycid shrimp. In the estuary paper, both organisms, after being exposed, had significantly altered swimming behaviors ooh, at concentrations detected in the environment, such as increased freezing, changes in positioning, and total distance moved. That could lead to an increased risk of predation and challenges for the the organisms to find food in the wild. Both organisms had reduced growth depending on the level of exposure to the micro-tire particles. Leachate's affected behavior didn't affect growth. Even at current environmental levels of tire-related pollution, which are expected to increase, aquatic ecosystems may be experiencing negative impacts. In the freshwater ecosystem paper, embryonic zebrafish and a crustacean, Daphnia magna, were the model organisms. Both experienced mortality and developmental abnormalities due to tire particle and leachate exposures. Leachate was the main driver of toxicity for both organisms. Exposure to nanotire particles enhanced toxicity in comparison to leachate alone. The researchers concluded, while toxicity from tire particles was observed in both organisms, overall sensitivity differed. It's important, they say, to understand these differences, to identify levels at which these pollutants become toxic. But they're trying to help several ways to limit tire particles from entering the environment, Installing rain gardens on the sides of roads to capture tire particles, installing particle capture devices on cars, developing tires that last longer. Are you kidding me? And investing in green infrastructure, such as public transportation that allows people to drive less because they don't have rubber tires. Just one word, ladies and gentlemen. Microplastics, by the way, is a a PS, a postscript, if you will, to uh, our stories about Ukraine. A world leader has offered to uh, mediate talks between Moscow and Kyiv. That country is Saudi Arabia. Because he knows about killing that guy. He uh, promised he, if he attended and mediated the negotiations, he would not bring his bone saw. And now, news of our friend, The Adam.
1: Clean, safe.
0: Well, first, it's related to the thing. The U.S. nuclear power industry is lobbying the White House to allow uranium imports from Russia to continue. Cheap supplies of that fuel are seen as keeping American electricity prices low, according to two sources familiar with the matter. It's a report from Reuters news service. But also on uh, the nuclear thing. One of the quickest ways to get nuclear waste off of the bluffs of San Onofre, south of Los Angeles, temporary storage sites run by private companies that aren't surrounded by 8 million people, those bluffs. There was optimism on Southern California's quake-prone coast, Last September, according to the L.A. Daily News, when the Nuclear Regulatory Commission issued a license for exactly that, a short-term temporary storage site in Andrews, Texas. Didn't take long for Texas governor to sign a bill denying state construction permits for that temporary waste storage facility. Now, congressmen and women are seeking to put a final financial nail in that coffin two senators one from new mexico and ted cruz issued legislation to forbid federal funds from being used to pay for private interim storage this week in the house and uh, no sorry that was in the senate and another bill companion bill was introduced in the house that would render any private facility impractical more than 40 billion dollars sits in the federal government's nuclear waste fund. (laughs) That's money paid by customers, normal people, so that the federal government could dispose of nuclear waste. That money would need to be tapped to pay for temporary storage. This is straight-up self-interest of New Mexico and Texas, said a professor at UC San Diego's School of Global Policy and Strategy, chair of the San Onofre Community Engagement Panel, That's a volunteer group that advises Southern California Edison on the San Onofre Nuclear Plants decommissioning. Lawmakers in Texas and New Mexico fear temporary storage sites wouldn't be temporary. Texas will not become America's nuclear waste dumping ground, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said. It seems like a dumping No, come on. A um, congressman who represents the Southern California area where San Onofre is located has prioritized consent-based storage. Well, that's nice. And helped secure federal funding to restart the Energy Department's separate effort to find temporary public storage sites for this stuff. I respect the right of New Mexico and Texas to oppose storage in their states, but limiting any opportunity for other communities to engage in a consent-based process for storage is counterproductive and wrong, said the author, Mike Levin. He said anyone concerned about nuclear waste at San Onofre or anywhere else should support that process. You may recall the federal government spent more than $10 billion on what was to be a permanent waste disposal site at Yucca Mountain in New Mexico, Nevada state officials, including then-Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, vehemently opposed it and kind of killed it, is what they did. But wait, there's more. The NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, licensed interim storage partners to build and operate the facility in Texas. It would be built beside low-level storage that already exists there. That houses millions of pounds. Oh, no, it would house millions of pounds of high-level waste currently at commercial sites like the shuttered San Onofre plant where the waste was generated. That's what's happening now. The uh, new plant would be licensed for up to 40 years and would close when, or maybe if, the federal government finally builds that permanent disposal site. If you'd like it in, near you, let me know. I'll pass it on. Holtec International is their, um, the company that's doing the Temporary storage in San Onofre, California, has applied for a license for a similar temporary facility in New Mexico. But be- being licensed clear doesn't mean private projects get built. The NLRc did issue a license for temporary storage for a company called Private Fuel Storage way back in 2006. That project never happened. Is only... 190 million pounds of highly radioactive waste so far, piling up at commercial nuclear reactors all over the nation. It's expensive. Even temporary storage is expensive because it's temporarily radioactive. Federal government was supposed to start collecting commercial waste in 1998, hasn't accepted an ounce for permanent disposal. Private plant, plant operators—private <laughs> plant operators, uh, another matter entirely—but the private plant operators have sued the Department of Energy, and won nine billion dollars in settlements and judgments over the cost of building these temporary facilities because the permanent ones, or one, haven't occurred. The Government Accountability Office says it may cost another thirty billion before there's a solution. Industry experts pegged the bill as high as fifty billion dollars, because the energy is so cheap. The nation can no longer ignore the conundrum at the back end of the nuclear fuel cycle, says Catherine Huff, Principal Deputy Assistant, Sec- Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for Nuclear Energy with the Department of Energy. Management of the fuel is the responsibility of the DOE. We cannot continue to defer this challenge for future generations to figure out. Communities do not agree to host this waste in the very long term, she says, by which she means, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of years like that. And of course, there's concern about nuclear plants in, yes, here's that word again, Ukraine has one experienced some fire this week and then experienced a fire in short order Right afterwards, but don't worry, the Russians are in control, and people are now reported. the 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 technical people at that plant are now reportedly running operations at gunpoint. Of course, it's reassuring. You know, they'll do the job. By the way, they're not even allowed uh, to uh, work in shifts, so they're. They're going to get a little sleepy sometime soon. And now... It's a,
1: it's a smart world after all. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart, smart world.
0: Yes, it hurts. SpaceX, the space tech company, founded and run by Elon Musk, successfully launched 50 more Starlink satellites into space. That marked the eighth deployment of the company just this year. This deployment comes after NASA raised concerns against launching so many satellites in Earth's lower orbit. Earlier this month, NASA submitted a five-page letter, five-page letter to the National Telecommunications and Information Administration. Who knew? Highlighting the dangers of so many satellites in lower Earth orbit, NASA said it may endanger astronauts returning from space missions as well as disrupting the space agency's ability to spot dangerous asteroids heading towards Earth. Elon, what you doing, babe? The main concern of NASA was the orbital congestion can lead to clashes or crashes between different spacecraft in Earth orbit and these satellites. This is especially worrying since NASA claims the Starlink satellites of SpaceX lack the the maneuverability to do course correction and avoid collision with space missions, as well as other satellites in orbit. Further, with so many satellites in the Earth's lower orbit, there's a high chance of it affecting NASA's asteroid detection system. Musk does not appear to have any plans to slow down his uh, launching program. The 50 satellites this week were carried by a two-stage rocket. The Twitter account of SpaceX confirmed the deployment took place as usual, and it was a successful mission with a reusable rocket. The Starlink launches a part of SpaceX's vision of deploying 30 1,000 satellites as part of Gen 2. That's the second phase, I guess. NASA has been a vocal critic of this venture. NASA, in its letter to the NTIA, wrote that even more SpaceX satellites being added to orbit would increase the congestion exponentially. I think that's a word Musk even understands. NASA estimates there would be a Starlink in every single asteroid survey image taken for planetary defense against hazardous asteroid impacts, decreasing the survey effectiveness by rendering portions of the images unusable. That's according to NASA, who should know. You never know. And also in this smart, 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 smart smart world, Fitbit. Has recalled all models of its Ionic smartwatch, not iconic, Ionic. Thank you. That happened this week after a small number of wearers were left with burns, not Mister Burns, Burns, when the gadget's lithium-ion batteries overheated. This is now a thing, ladies and gentlemen. You probably heard about the ship that uh, went down when it caught fire from the some of the lithium-ion. Batteries in the electric cars that were the ship's cargo? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Fitbit Ionic was made between 2017 and 2020. Comes in a variety of colors. Including, this is ironic, burnt orange. Charcoal and smoke gray. Thank the register, the British Tech Journal, for pointing that out. On top of monitoring things like heart rate and sleep, the Ionic supported contactless payments, provided guidance to stay fit and healthy, and it boasted of a four-day battery life, longer than most smartwatches of the time, but its lithium-ion batteries have proven prone to overheating. The majority of in- injuries were reported in the U.S., 78 cases, including two third-degree burns. Why, that's a total of six sixth-degree burn, wouldn't it be? Oh, and four second-degree burns according to the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Another 40 burn cases reported outside the U.S. Fitbit received a total of 174 death uh, reports of batteries overheating worldwide. Fitbit advised customers to, quote, please stop using your device, unquote. Well, they're, you know, they bought it. That's all Fitbit cares about, really, when you think about it. Taking it off when it gets hot might also be a good idea customer safety is always fitbit's top priority i sort of i sort of sensed that they were going to say that didn't you and out of an abundance of caution we're conducting a voluntary recall of the ironic smart uh, smart watches says fitbit spokespeople we received a very limited number of injury reports of the battery overheating, posing a burn hazard, these incidents are very rare, and this voluntary recall does not impact other Fitbit smartwatches or trackers. About a million of them, these devices had been sold in the U.S. Customers, uh, or suckers, are uh, customers are being refunded $299 for sending back their uh, units. Sellers also receive a 40% discount off new. Bit, bit devices, should they choose to purchase one? I'm not sure I would, but that's just me. And I like wrist burns anyway. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, one of the things that uh, keeps a lot of pundits speaking, writing, punditizing uh, in regard to the war, the disastrous war in Ukraine, is the mind of Vladimir Putin. Now, the the um, the resources I recommended earlier in this broadcast might be um, useful in that regard, not excusing, not justifying, as I say, the hideous war he is conducting at the moment, but just some context to understand that this doesn't come from nowhere and um as a matter of fact i think i've um i've discovered at least one of his motivations gee honey that's a lot of tableware how many people are coming over for dinner oh
1: everybody from my office wow i
0: don't think we've got
1: a big enough table you know what i don't either Hi, I'm Jim Putin. How many times have you had that problem? And I'm Jackie Putin. And at a time like this, putting an extra leaf in your dining room table is way too much hassle. That's because in today's COVID alert world, a dining room table just isn't enough table. But now you know what is enough? The super patented Putin table. It's long enough to seat the entire office crew. Plus the elevator and parking gang. Yet its graceful lines say long can be beautiful. AND ITS SLEEK SHAPE SAYS LONG CAN FIT INTO YOUR DINING OR FUNCTION ROOM WITH ONLY THE MOST MINIMAL RECONSTRUCTION. THE PUTIN TABLE IS STRONG. THE THREE-LEG PLATFORM BASE CAN SUPPORT TABLEWARE FOR 40. AND NO ONE FEELS CROWDED OR AWAY FROM THE ACTION. NO CHILDREN'S TABLE NEEDED. THEY CAN SIT WAY AT THE FAR END OF THE PUTIN TABLE AND STILL FEEL LIKE THEY'RE PART OF THE GROWN-UP FUN. BEFORE THE SUPER PATENTED PUTIN TABLE, YOU'D HAVE TO HIRE YOUR OWN CARPENTER TO BUILD A TABLE THIS STURDY. BUT NOW, DURING the special operation sale the Putin table can be yours for far less than a made to order compromise we hate those just call the number on your screen or write to the web address on your screen or just yell at your screen to order your own Putin table you know we're listening honey
0: this Putin table
1: is great yeah everybody's got room for two <laughs> <laughs> the Putin table
0: is not nationally regulated furniture sit at your own risk General. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Los Angeles Board of Police Commissioners voted this week to update its policy on pretextual stops. The idea is to discipline officers if they fail to say why a traffic stop or minor traffic violation ends up leading to a more serious criminal thing. Under the new policy, officers would only be able to make pretextual stops if they are, quote, acting upon articulable information, unquote, and not just a hunch or based on general characteristics. Officers would have to kind of explain all that. Uh, And this comes from uh, a report by the uh, Los Angeles inspector general into these weird ways that uh, traffic stops turn into um, incidents of greater seriousness, largely involving non-white citizens. So we'll keep a tra- we'll keep a, an eye on that, but now ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week.
1: We're so sorry.
0: You know they have writers at Marvel? People write those comics? One of them, Jason Aaron, has issued an apology following the controversial naming and depiction of the Princess Matoaka character in his latest issue of King Conan. The name was upsetting to many according to ScreenRant.com because Matoaka... Is associated with the Native American historical figure commonly referred to as Pocahontas. Jason Aaron, the writer, admits that naming a hypersexualized indigenous woman after a real human being who was trafficked by European colonizers was, quote, ill considered, unquote, and confirmed that her name and appearance would be changed. Less hypersexualized, I'm guessing. King Conan number 3, written by Aaron with art by somebody else, introduces Princess Matawaka, whose name is a spelling of one of the birth names associated with Pocahontas, as, a, as it appears in her only known life portrait. This, as well as the fact that the character has a torrid relationship with an invader from another land, tip readers off to her being a very direct and disrespectful reference to Pocahontas. Not just the name, the character's costume consisting of a loincloth, pasties, and a headdress and a headdress, let's be fair, falls squarely into common, exoticized depictions of indigenous women as sex objects. Use that name in conjunction with that imagery stuck many as thoughtless. Something thoughtless in a Marvel comic, imagine that. Aaron has apologized and taken full responsibility in the wake of these criticisms and assured readers that the name and appearance of the character would be altered for subsequent issues. He's getting rid of the pasties. No, please. The character's new name has not yet been announced. Phyllis? I don't think so. The new character is... He's, oh, he's defending himself. It wasn't appropriate to use the name and image. I understand the outrage expressed by those who hold the true Matawaka's legacy dear. This is the writer writing his apology. And for all this and the stress it's caused, I apologize. As part of that apology, I've taken already what I was paid for the issue and donated it to the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. Marvel has made recent efforts to promote diversity and inclusion. They often can be undercut when material that contradicts those values finds its way into their comics. This is from a report by Screen Rant. Marvel had to uh, cut ties with an artist, Joe Bennett, over anti-Semitic background art in The Immortal Hulk. Dateline, Boise, Idaho. NUMA's fans were physically stopped from storming out of the court following Boise State's historic regular season Mountain West Championship game this week. This is basketball. Extra-mile arena officials have apologized, say they're investigating what went wrong. Quote, we failed to implement the post-game security plan that was developed in advance of the game in, cons- in consultation with the athletic department, says a statement from arena officials. Security staff were instructed to allow students to celebrate on the court following a victory while providing a safe exit for the opposing team and game officials. No students were to be physically restricted, but they were. Videos on social media show security staff physically pushing and carrying students away and off the court. Quote, I want to express my sincerest apologies to the fans in attendance at last night's game, especially our students, said the BSU athletics director. The attention that was rightfully deserved for an amazing accomplishment by our coaches and student-athletes in front of the largest crowd in more than a decade in the arena was unnecessarily shifted to a post-game situation that should never have happened, unquote. The arena says it will hire a third-party investigator to conduct a review of the incident. CBS, you've heard of them. CBS News has sent an apology, a letter of apology, to Turkey this week. Why? CBS News portrayed Istanbul and the Bosporus Straits as part of Greece in a news report on the Ukraine thing This graphic that incorrectly showed Istanbul as part of Greece and not Turkey was rectified once we were aware of the mistake said CBS in a letter addressed to the Turkish Directorate of Communications it uh, said it would review its broadcasting processes to prevent such f- <laughs> what process do you need to know that Istanbul is not part of Greece the waking up process The hiring of staff with at least a high school education process? Don't know. Doesn't say. Turkey is officially and openly protesting the mistake, according to a report in the Daily Saba. The presidential communications director of Turkey demanded the mistake be corrected immediately and necessary explanations be made. He points out, Istanbul has been under the rule of the Turkish nation since 1453. Mistakes should not be repeated, said the Turkish spokesman. We expect necessary measures to be taken to avoid any step that could bring into question Turkey's territorial integrity. This was a bid, the story was a bid to de-escalate by uh, banning warships from passing through key straits. This came after Ukraine asked Turkey to activate a 90-year-old international pact that can be used to prevent Russian warships from entering the Black Sea through the Mediterranean. I'm sure somebody at CBS has heard of the Mediterranean. Dateline Henderson, North Carolina, the Henderson Police Department, has publicly apologized about a Facebook post they said included an, quote, ill-timed photo, unquote, post was a Photograph of a recent swearing-in ceremony. The hand of one of the officers was resting on his duty belt. In the apology post, the police department said, quote, was brought to our attention that a photo was shared of a recent ceremony. It could have been perceived in an unintended way. The hand of one of the officers in the photo resting on his duty belt in a way that could be viewed as an obscene gesture." After following up with the officer, we determined this was not an intentional pose, but simply an ill-timed photo, capturing how the officer often stands with his hand against the magazine holder on his belt. In the spirit of transparency, we want to assure the public this was not an officer goofing off or making an inappropriate gesture, but an unfortunately timed photo. We apologize if this photo came across as unprofessional, as we pride ourselves on providing courteous and professional law enforcement service to our community. The community again, Hendersonville, North Carolina. Harvey Weinstein, 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 has issued an apology months after he was reportedly caught with contraband candy in jail. He's such a rascal, that guy. Oh, what a rascal he is. He's a rascal. The disgraced movie mogul, currently being held at the medical wing of a Los Angeles jail while he awaits trial for rape and sexual assault, was found in possession of Milk Duds late last year, according to Variety, my go-to source for Milk dud related news. Citing jail records, Variety reports that the chocolates were discovered during a search last November, following uh, Weinstein's in-person meeting with one of his attorneys. In a statement provided to E! News, my second favored source of Milk Dud-related news, the 69-year-old producer said, quote, This was an innocent misunderstanding. It will not happen again. I have been a, I have been a model inmate following the rules and regulations, and I am sincerely sorry, unquote. Weinstein's other attorneys also apologized, saying in a separate statement, We have been informed about this and are very sorry, If it indeed happened, they said they had not heard that it happened prior, nor that anything happened since. They added that Weinstein has been, yes, a model inmate and intends to continue as such. He'll be posing this week. He uh, previously told officials that he brought the milk duds with him in July when he was extradited from New York, where he's serving a 23-year prison sentence to L.A. for this trial. However, according to Variety, guards had searched him upon his arrival to jail and didn't find any contraband candy at the time. So it's unclear how Weinstein came into possession of the milk duds. MetaMask, an Ethereum wallet of blockchain technology, has apologized after some of its users in Venezuela were accidentally blocked from accessing the digital wallet on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, your money isn't always available when you need it. Isn't that wild with the crypto thing? And students who are hospitalized for carbon monoxide poisoning at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee are angry there were no carbon monoxide detectors in their residence hall. They're still coming to terms, are the students, with how close they came to dying. University University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee administrators have admitted they didn't have those detectors in the hall or any other campus residence hall. They've since been installed since this this scare. university staff apologized for poor communication during and immediately after the evacuation. And they uh, brought in staff members to help what they called academic support and personal well-being for the students who almost died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, it is the apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. one more atom related item this week the nuclear regulatory commission has notified energy harbor nuclear corporation that it's categorizing issues with a backup diesel generator at the davis bessey nuclear power station as low to moderate safety risks means that power plant will receive increased nuclear over- nuclear commission oversight it's the uh, ironic point that, we, as we learned with Ukraine this week, if the electricity goes out at the nuclear plant that the Russians took over, the cooling of the nuclear rods can't continue, and a meltdown could occur. Yes, and in the case of davis Bessie, it has a backup diesel generator to provide electricity when the electricity goes out point of the plant, of course, is to provide electricity. Oh, and a senior U.S. official, the diplomat, has apologized final apology that I kept until now. Apologize to thousands of Afghans stranded in the United Arab Emirates months after the fall of Kabul. The diplomat spoke to the stranded Afghans this week promising to speed repatriation for some to America while acknowledging that many may not be possible as authorities work to confirm their identities and backgrounds. They were just folks who helped the United States back when we needed it. Well, let's conclude. Gonna conclude, I say. This week's edition of Le Chopin program returns next week, the same time, over these same stations of the radio variety, and on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. It'd be just like the war ending. If you'd agree to join with me, then, would you? Already, thank you very much. Uh huh. Tip of the Show Chapeau to the San Diego Desk to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO for help with the day's broadcast. The email address for this program, your chance to get cars I talk t-shirts, and the playlist for the music here heard here on, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry show comes to you from Sensory of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.